1: to the latest installment of the Run to Daylight podcast. I'm your host, Todd Burroughs, and it is the first podcast of the off season. I have uh, needed a little time uh, to get myself uh, motivated to do this. And, uh, you know, anyone who's followed me on Twitter knows I'm in the final stages of a divorce. I have a new business. It's been an interesting year. Uh, but I'm back and I'm looking forward to getting started. And we, right now, this episode is just me talking uh, a, a bunch of different categories and subjects. Uh, we will have a semi regular uh, co host this year. Um, Hi Low from the uh, podcast that we did during the NFL season will be joining me once he gets this out settled. And when I get the motivation, I will also look for guests. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to try and give you what you're going to need to be good at best ball. And just because I had a lousy year last year doesn't mean the process is bad. Um, But the fact is that I didn't stick to my own process. And when you do that, and then you also make mistakes on some key players it can lead to a down year. And I had a down year. Um, I actually did good in draft uh, in the tournaments. I I passed 18% of my teams through the first round. Uh, But we'll talk about that another time. I didn't get one of 27 teams to round two. And I think if we're going to see some progressive tournaments this year, I am definitely going to handle it differently. Last year was the first year I really went after it. Uh, my players were pretty good there. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was uh, – I had way too much ownership on the same guys. And when you do that in a, in a week-to-week thing, and uh, those guys didn't perform that week. So um, the Cardinals killed me. And maybe I shouldn't have read the book. So um, as far as what I did wrong, uh, well, I mean, I just flat out missed a couple things, uh, Michael Thomas being the biggest one. And that's going to be one of the bigger things that I'm going to talk about here. I've talked in the past about how it's very important to try and get the synergy between your first and second round picks. Um, Last year, it wasn't as important um, in one hand, and we'll talk about Christian McCaffrey's 35% win percentage a little bit. But first, I want to talk about my friends at the FFPC. They are back for another year with the Run to Daylight podcast, and we'll be talking and doing a lot of things with the FFPC. We'll do some get-in-the-ring pods. We'll do some... Live drafts, uh, you know, let's all jump in a draft together. Uh, best ball drafts are already filling and drafting starting at $35. Uh, standard, best ball, super flex, also double, double up leagues are available. And their new slim leagues uh, I will talk about a little bit later. Uh, the rookies are in the pool The site has gotten a facelift, a lot of exciting things already out there for the FFPC. And I can't wait to see what they're going to do with the tournament. Uh, Remember, if you want to, if you don't have an account with the FFPC, go to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. And, Join a $35 draft in six hours, and there's a very good chance you'll find me in there. Uh, All right, so that is the basics there. Let's talk a little bit about winning percentage Uh, and Christian McCaffrey. I've talked a lot about supercharging and how that works. You'll have to uh, catch me on Twitter if you haven't heard it. Christian McCaffrey did not have a a guy in the second or third round who supercharged him, and yet he had a 35% win percentage. That is, on one hand, surprising, but he did benefit from something else, and that something else was an inordinate amount of busts in round one. And early round two. Uh, almost historic amount of busts. Um, Saquon busted for the most part. A Ze- uh, Zeke busted for the most part. Uh, Kamara busted. Let's see who else busted last year. Hopkins didn't do good. Adams didn't do good. Uh, Tyreek Hill early second round. Uh, There were a lot of – Kelsey was another one who really didn't perform. uh, Odell Beckham. So Christian McCaffrey, in my mind, it's not that the supercharging effect doesn't work. It's just that he didn't need a supercharge because anybody that you paired him with in the late second round who put up good numbers, like a Mike Evans – Uh, a couple other guys, uh, a kittle, got, you know, those guys, if you paired them with Christian McCaffrey, you were off to the races. So I want to talk a little bit about the first round that, Oh, John Connor was another huge bust. So you probably had eight out of the top 12 bust and that uh, really helped Christian McCaffrey. Of course, Christian McCaffrey helped Christian McCaffrey the most. I mean, it was a dominant performance. I don't want to take anything away from Christian McCaffrey, but the win percentage was aided by the fact that there were so many other busts. And one thing that you'll find when you talk about the first round and the second round. And that's a lot of what this podcast is going to be about. How do you handle the first and second rounds? Um, the old saying, "You you can't win a draft in the first and second round, but you can lose it. I'm not sure that I agree with that. If you're only doing a few drafts, take the guys that you like. If you're gonna do volume like I do volume one of my crucial mistakes last year was in general I was way more exposed to players than I had been in my other couple of years and I was exposed to guys like Antonio Brown and David Johnson who were too risky so well David Johnson wasn't risky it just didn't work out but Antonio Brown was pretty risky Either way, having 25% of Antonio Brown when I didn't have any player over 23%, and I don't think I had a first or second round guy over 15 16 17% my two previous very successful years. So I'm a big believer in you can lose your draft in the first round when you look at the worst winning percentages, it is littered with guys in the first round. I don't have that up right now, but there are five or six, seven guys with win percentages of two to 5% last year, and all of them were early picks. And it's like that every year. So sometimes it's injury and sometimes it's ineffectiveness. But the point is, if you really really like a guy, 15 to 17% in the first round or two will get you to a winning year. Where if you have 25% of the wrong guy, it means that you're you're really in trouble. So, uh, you know, when I look at the draft board right now, it seems like Christian McCaffrey, Barkley, Elliot And Michael Thomas come off the top four most drafts. And then you run into Alvin Kamara. And if you want to say Alvin Kamara, his high ankle sprain uh, hurt him. I've got him on uh, on that next tier towards the top of that next tier. But you will find Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon in that next group of guys. I'm going to make sure that I'm pretty balanced there. Each one of those situations is, has more risk than I prefer. The problem is if you go wide receiver in the first round, running back thins out very quickly, and it, there's a lot of really good wide receiver value through the first 10 rounds. So I, my, what I'm doing for standard best ball leagues is I'm going to mix those guys up. That being said, I do have a clear favorite. It's Nick Chubb. Uh, If I was drafting a a big money league right now, I would take him with the third pick uh, ahead of Zeke, most likely. And uh, I I just think Dalvin Cook had his career year. I think Madison is not going anywhere. And I think that you're going to see... Madison continue to get touches, and Dalvin, if he gets nicked up, there's risk there. Kamara, you know, they're always going to run two backs, and with the the rise of Michael Thomas, uh, Kamara wasn't featured in the red zone like he had been the year before. Aaron Jones, we all know about touchdowns and how, from year to year, they can be not sticky. So Aaron Jones has a coach who we can't trust for rational coaching on top of some real bad TD regression. Derek Henry, my boy, uh, probably ends up back with the Titans, but we don't know. And, you know, you're drafting him at, at his ceiling with unless he's going to get more pass game chops. Uh, Joe Mixon Bad offense, rookie quarterback. Uh, He's the hype that a lot of the high stakes guys are on. Uh, To me, he's just another guy in this range right now. Um, Talented, no doubt. But um, I do like in the second round, uh, I think Adams coming off a bad year is a great pick. I think Tyreek is a great pick. And Julio's going sometimes mid second round. I think Julio is a steal. Um, Fournette, I think, is a. I'm going to be underweight on Fournette. So, and I am definitely going to be off, uh, underweight on Austin Eckler and Miles Sanders and Devin Singletary, three running backs that I just don't have a, con- a ton of faith in. I love Kenyon Drake. If he ends up back on the Cardinals, but again, he's going near his ceiling. Um, So Mm -hmm. that's that. Uh, Let's see. Uh, No, thank you to Lamar Jackson. I know he's a running back who also is a quarterback Uh, 20% win rate in a year where everything went right. It just, you know, historically, I don't care how good the quarterback is. I know that Lamar Jackson is a difference maker, but I am going to be severely, severely underweight on Lamar Jackson. I'll take a few third round shares just to have some, but, um, you know, I, I can't say I'm looking for the next Lamar Jackson. Cause I don't know that there will be one. Um, but I do think that, uh, him and Mahomes are going too early for my, for my likes. Uh, All right. So that, that, that's the early part of the round. I'm going to take a sip of water here, and then I'm going to talk about the early part of the draft as it relates to the uh, fan ball contest. All right. Fan ball contest. Let's see. It's always goes slow when you're, Talking by yourself. I'm just kind of curious. Uh, hold on. Ah, it's uh, hard to tell. All right. So, um, wow, 50, almost 15 minutes in. So, uh, there we go. All right. Um, let's get to the fan ball contest and how to play it. I talked about this on Darren Armani Fantasy Mojos Pod. The other day, I I feel like I dropped a lot of really good information in that pod. You should go check that out. Uh, Darren barely charges for his site. Uh, It's very, very good value. And uh, if you play the FFPC, it's a must, I think, to have his information. And uh, I hope to have Darren on uh, my pod a few times this year, uh, as well as a fellow Hardway member. All right. So... How about this fan ball contest? One of the key things is that this is as top heavy of a contest as you're ever going to find. I mean, I am not going to max out this tourney. This is, you know, I don't mind taking risk when, you know, the top end money is, you know, 100 grand, 200 grand, you know, but to throw 1500 bucks trying to win $20,000 uh, just doesn't make a ton of sense to me uh, I was really disappointed by this contest. I hope they do better um i i I really enjoyed and I think most people did. I think there's an opportunity here to replace what draft did. i don't you know everyone's saying when is fanball going to come out with their best ball They might not this year they just might not, so we're left with um this contest. And, you know, it really is, you know, get having the highest score out of six, you know, 600, uh, 500 leagues, 6,000 teams. It's not easy. And it only pays 16 places. If you win your league, you only get a credit for next year. So this is, uh, you know, not something I'm going to do a ton of. At the same time, it is fun to do some. I've come up with what I think is a pretty good strategy. When you look at win percentages, you know, we talk about that supercharge effect. You nail the first and the second round guy. The other historic guys who get real high win percentage are your best wide receivers and the backup running backs who have talent and get the opportunity. So where I tend to take a lot of the running backs early in best ball tens, get two or three of them first five or six rounds in this, I am much more likely to take one running back and then load up at wide receiver and tight end, and then go after the Pollards, the Madisons, the, uh, Daryl Henderson, you know, Mojo and I talked about how that busted last year. Well, it it sure it did. You know, you, you, you're you trying to catch, a, you know, lightning in a bottle to win this contest. And I think your best chance to do it is to get a guy like Madison, if Dalvin Cook gets hurt, you know, get him in the 10th, 11th round. He gives you, you know, second round value. The rookie running backs you know who might be able to do that. I I, I was disappointed that Jay Dylan did such a good combine cuz he was basically free before this. He's still uh, you know worth the 16th 17th round pick because if he goes in the second round of drafts and and it's possible he does go in the second round now, um he, his ADP's going to rise tremendously. Uh, It doesn't matter for this contest because it it ends when the draft ends. But I still think the way to uh, attack this draft is to really target those second-level running backs who are on teams where you know they're going to get a lot of volume. Uh, They're good running teams, and these guys have talent. And my favorite two are Madison and Pollard. I think both of those guys can pay off ADP without an injury, you know, a, a big injury. I think cook always seems to miss two or three games. And I think, uh, I think Mike McCarthy's smart enough to get a lot at, more out of Pollard than what Jason Garrett did. I know Kellen Moore is still there, but I, I really feel like Pollard can pay off a 10th, 11th, 12th round ADP. Now, and if Zeke gets hurt, boom. Uh, so those are the two guys. That's the way that I am kind of attacking this tournament. I am also going to mix up my players, uh, especially in the later rounds. You look at the Devontae uh, Parker from last year. Uh, I, you know, Look for those guys who have talent, who haven't done much with it. And the other guy that I am super high on, even though he crushed me last year, is Antonio Brown. When you're talking about a 15th to a 20th round seventh wide receiver, which is basically what he is right now, you're looking for a guy who gives you three to four big weeks. That's a big win. Anything beyond that is awesome. So the question with Antonio Brown, you know, the the question with most guys that you're going to draft that late is, do they have the talent and are they going to have the opportunity uh, to play? Like, is their talent enough to even get them an opportunity? Those are two things we don't have to worry about with Antonio Brown. We know he's a top five, top seven at worst NFL wide receiver he played one game last year and was amazing with Tom Brady. If he plays, he's going to score. And I know it looks like he's not going to play, but if he does, he's the type of guy who could really take you far in a tournament like this. So uh, that's how I am handling these tournaments. And Engage with me on Twitter and on the Slack channel. If you don't know where to find the Best Ball Slack channel, uh, contact Dan Williamson at Overhype Sleeper, and he will get you hooked up on the Slack channel for Best Ball. Uh, we, we could use some new blood there. Uh, so that is that. Now let's talk about the FFPC and their light tournament. Honestly, I'm a little disappointed that it's 18 rounds. Mojo and I talked about this a little bit. I love the FFPC. I love the format. But one of the things I've always loved about it is 28 rounds. I understand if you're going to come out with a a tournament, you can't have a 28-round tournament. And I can see why you get rid of defense and kicker because that's what draft did, and that made draft so popular. But to me, with especially with the way that the scoring is uh, on FFPc, and the fact that FFPc prides itself on being the place where high stakes, the best players in fantasy football play, you know, it's kind of a niche market, but. I really would have liked to have seen at least 20 and maybe even 22 rounds because in most 28 round drafts, you take three defenses and three kickers and that leaves 22 rounds. And that to me makes it more of a skill game because the better that you are, the better you're going to be able to get sleepers and make, take advantage of those last rounds. It also makes injury less of a factor. So I love the FFPC. Um, If they come up with tournaments, we're going to talk about them, play them. I just hope they reconsider and make them at least 20 uh, 20 rounds, differentiate it from what else is out there. Let's see. I covered that. I covered that. I covered that. All right. So we had some questions a while back. And I'm going to go look for them. Chris Allen uh, asked, I could be completely off, but I think you'd only want two quarterbacks in a best ball draft to cover your main QBs by week and allow for more capital to be spent on running back, wide receiver, et cetera. But data overwhelmingly points to three quarterbacks as the minimum for cashing What's your logic for drafting quarterbacks? Well, I don't know that the logic in Fanball or on draft is that 3 was better. Um I've always uh, you know everything I've ever seen from Mike Beers is that 2 and 3 are very close. The only time I take a third quarterback and again maybe last year it mattered because again people want to look at things sometimes in a vacuum that we had way more injuries, key injuries at quarterback last year than we traditionally do. That is going to make a third quarterback more viable. One of the things I mentioned on Mojo's podcast was people always chase what happened last year. It just, it's going to happen. It's human nature. It's going to happen. Um, I am sticking with two uh, two quarterbacks unless I'm not happy with my two quarterbacks, and I don't mean a guy like Cam Newton as my number two. So, when you look at a guy like Newton who's coming off an injury, or Ben Roethlisberger who's coming off an injury, when you look at you know at your ownership of quarterbacks, quarterback ownership should always be lower by a little bit than what you ha- are willing to spend on your running backs and your wide receivers, because the win percentages for quarterbacks are significantly less. So why take the chance on an injury when, you know, and go 30% on a quarterback when Lamar Jackson in a historic season drafted in the 10th, 11th round, only got a 20% win percentage. So I I um uh, I I don't uh that so that's why I don't draft I, I think the most I I've had uh I went crazy on Kyler last year, which again I, I hate to blame the divorce and not thinking properly, but I, I I I acted a little drunk even though I wasn't drinking last year. But um the year before the most I had uh, of any quarterback was twenty percent. So do what you will. Uh, But my point here was that when you look at guys like Ben Roethlisberger and Cam Newton coming off an injury, let's say you end up with 15 to 20% of each one of them. You like them, you you love their ADP, but you're worried about them. So you draft a third quarterback. Wrong way to look at it, in my opinion. What you're looking for is leverage within 15 to 20%. Your leverage on Ben and Cam is all those lineups they're not in. That's your leverage. What you're trying to accomplish in the Ben and Cam lineups is taking advantage of that ADP if they stink Whoever you get as your third quarterback is very, very doubtful. Mitch Trubisky, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, who you know needed to be managed last year, guys like that. Uh, Andy Dalton. I mean, he you know that could change if he ends up somewhere good. Joe Burrow. I, I just don't think those guys are going to get you the the, the win. So what you want to do with your cam and your Ben teams is, is treat them like they're going to be healthy and draft accordingly. That's my thought on that. Uh, Chris also asked, I've seen a lot of early tight end or double tight end at the one, two or two, three turn. It looks profitable, but would you advise investing so much so early, even on FFPC with tight end premium? Uh, I think that it's, a strategy that has worked, but it's a very risky strategy. Uh, Tight ends get injured more than anyone. And, you know, I, I just think that, uh, you know, it's okay to have some lineups with that, but you know, that's a niche market for me. It's not something that I go into a draft saying, Oh yeah, I'm going to get two tight ends and I'm going to have this really unique, you know, I'm going to outsmart the world. I I think that, um, you know, when it works, it's great. But, you know, you get a guy like Gronk who gets hurt or a Kelsey who didn't quite live up to where you hoped he would. It's very, very tough. Um, So, um, no, uh, it's not for me. Um, I I would say at most, you know, two to three percent of my drafts is that something I would try. Uh, Question three from Chris. Do you try and diversify across all stages of the draft, or do you take stands on players? I think I've covered that. I think 23% for me on the guys that I really, really like, and then on down to about 15%. That gives you enough. And, you know, it's what you're hoping, and I didn't do it last year, but in my two successful years, I, may, I, I made enough right calls that having that amount – you know, that's two to three times your average. Uh, I think that's enough. So, no, I, I, one of my big mistakes last year was going crazy with exposure, and I am going to be dialing that back again this year. Um, I think that uh, you just have to trust your roster construction – uh, being innovative, making more good calls than the, the field, and uh, and being just heavier in the ways that I described. Andrew Fielding had another question. Is it possible to like Sanders for his receiving work and his big play potential without imagining him as a bell cow? As long as the running back gets enough targets and RBBC isn't a killer. I disagree. I don't want a guy in the second round who is, you know, going to be in a three-way committee. And the Eagles have shown that they want uh, a goal line back, they want a main back, and they want to change a pace back um, the whole time. You know, even last year. And you know, I know Sanders is talented, but. Uh, I just have a lot of trouble with his ADP in the second round. I think, I think you're drafting, you know, I think people fall in love with his talent, but we can't forget the rational coaching. And, you know, I just don't know that we're going to, you know, uh, I'm not going to have zero of him, but I think four to 5% for me on Sanders it's possible that could hurt me. I mean, if he does get the job, it's a good offense. Uh, but he showed enough warts to me. Um, and you know, is Boston Scott going to go away? Boston Scott outplayed him to me the last couple of weeks. Um, uh, that's the guy I'd be, I've been drafting. I mean, sometimes you find him in the 13th, 14th round, he's slipping through, um, and uh, he's a guy who flashed in New Orleans and flashed in Philly. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see A.J. Dillon land there. I, I do think they're going to get a goal line back. And, you know, you really need touchdowns to, to crush. You know, if, if Sanders catches 60 passes and gets six touchdowns, he, he's not going to crush me uh, by being underweight on him. So th- that's my thoughts. Um, you know, whenever you're betting against a guy as talented as Sanders, because of rational coaching, you're you're going to be a little uneasy. But that's my take on that. All right. So uh, I, it looks like I got someone uh, on the line. 708 area code. Uh, 708 area code. Did you want to ask a question, or were you just listening? I guess he was just listening. All right. Uh, Well, it was good to get back into it. Remember, check out the FFPC. They've got Dynasty Orphans. They're available starting at $77. Some of them are well-discounted. You know, check out the website. It has gotten a facelift, uh, and the apps have been updated. Go to myffpc.com, and if you get in a draft room with me, say hello tell me you listen to the pod or if you want to ask questions uh get into my DMs and uh I will take them for the next show appreciate the support I appreciate everyone who's stuck with me during a rough year and I'm looking forward to um, doing a little bit of a little bit more of that all right Let's uh, let's get out of here with a little music. Uh, it's not who I was last year, but it's who I'm hoping to be once again. Wow.